Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And we have a returning guest who appeared back in 2019, um, which was episode 51. Mike Jones is Managing Director of Impact Minerals, an exploration company listed on the ASX uh, with um, extensive tenement holdings within Australia, uh, featuring significant potential high-grade mineral deposits of gold, silver, lead, zinc, copper and nickel. Um, Mike is a graduate, a graduate of the, re, um, of the Royal School of Mines uh, many years ago um, and is a very experienced geologist uh, working across Australia, uh, in particular WA. Um, and he's here today to tell us um, the progress of impact uh, minerals and what they've been looking and what they're looking to achieve um, and give us an update on the Western Australian uh, mining industry. Um, so that's welcome, Mike, to the podcast. How are you doing, Mike? Yeah, thanks, Rob. I'm doing very well on a, uh, a very nice summery uh, autumn evening here in Perth. Yeah, good to hear. Well, I'm in the UK and uh, I think the weather is brightening up here as well. So uh, hopefully it'll be a, a good summer here. Obviously not as good as uh, as Perth. Um, so as we always start these podcasts off, um, for those that obviously didn't listen to your previous episode, which was um, over three years ago, I um, encourage you to go back and, and listen to that podcast because since since then, which is over three years, a lot of things have happened with Impact uh, Minerals and Mike will obviously explain that. Um, so please go back and look at that episode. Uh, for those that have just uh, didn't listen to that episode, I just want to just give us a, an overview of, of the company, um, but also give us an overview of your career. And obviously you've had a long career in the mining industry. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your career and about Impact uh, Minerals? No, certainly. Uh, yeah, so graduated uh, way back in the late 80s um, from the Royal School of Mines, Imperial College. Did both my undergrad and uh, PhD studies there. And I was fortunate enough to be offered a job with Western Mining Corporation or WMC Resources as they became, and they offered me a job and a visa. I was probably one of the cheap, uh, original cheap immigrant labourers uh, in, uh, in the resources sector. And I worked in their project generation team for six years. And then basically, um, over the next 12 years, worked for a variety of consulting groups and also set up uh, my own consulting group, principally doing target generation for a range of companies, juniors right through to the, uh, the large global companies, uh, putting together regional data sets to understand the geology and how that might fit with mineralization, basically in order to put a box around a target and say, look, we think those are interesting areas. And, and really that philosophy of generating targets is what led me to eventually start um, Impact Minerals along with uh, others at the time, a couple of uh, ex-colleagues now. And we were originally set up with the sole purpose of finding a world-class ore body. Now, I know most juniors like, uh, you know, are out promoting and looking for new discoveries and we'd all want to find a world-class one. But it's really been my philosophy and increasingly so over the years that 
it's literally not worth getting out of bed unless you get one of them because uh, the smaller ones just lead to a, a plethora of problems um, and it sort of takes almost as much work to get a, a 50,000 ounce of your gold produ producer into production of your know, gold mine as it would to take a 200,000 ounce a year uh, product producer. So, um, yeah, so over the years, so we've been pretty discriminating uh, in terms of the targets that we've tested. But of course, to find a world-class ore body, takes a long time and uh, there's numerous examples now that um, yeah you might get lucky but uh, it does take a, an extraordinary amount of work so if you imagine the you know normal distribution curve of deposits we're sort of looking at out here sort of three four five standard deviations from the mean and they are rare beasts so uh, it's been an interesting journey <laughs> over the time and we've been a couple of places around the world um, Botswana uh, Turkey we got beaten by politics and uh, Fukushima we were in the nuclear space there for a while and there's been downturns there's been the gfc uh, there's been covid and uh, but look we're still here uh, our shareholders have been very supportive especially our major ones and the board's been very supportive also of, uh, of what we've been doing over the years but um, i think as we'll discuss the, the last uh, three to six months have really uh, given us some exciting stuff which we'll we'll talk about yeah certainly um, obviously you were on the podcast three years ago i wanted to just give us an update from three years ago to sort of present day. And as you mentioned, a lot of activities happen over the last three to six months. So obviously you can cover that as well. So yeah, can you give us a, the the update from or since 2019? Yeah, sure. So obviously um, uh, 2018 into 2019 were actually the, probably one of the worst years in terms of market reaction to the exploration space. We had a couple of good years, 16, 17, and really, it was a death by a thousand cuts, and um, it was a it was a pretty interesting um, and demoralising time. <laughs> and um, so, but then all of a sudden, things started to climb out. So gold came back, lithium started to you know to to raise its head, and then all of a sudden, of course, COVID hit. So now we had all of our projects at that stage were in the eastern states, uh, gold in Queensland, and then two major projects in New South Wales, which is they're both um, uh, on the eastern side of Australia. Uh, one in the Lachlan Fold Belt, which is a world famous copper gold belt, and then also a lot of ground around Broken Hill, uh, which is the home to one of the world's great ore deposits. It's a silver lead zinc deposit found in the 1880s, um, been mined basically continuously ever since, and uh, we've always um, had a, a significant ground position there. So look, it did become difficult to operate um, over in the eastern states because of COVID. And also at around about the same time, there was a major discovery here in Perth, the Julimar discovery of chalice, uh, chalice mining. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with that. Uh, they announced an upgrade to the resource just this week, 30 million ounces equivalent of, uh, of, of palladium and uh, or 3 million tonnes equivalent of nickel. So uh, it's a huge discovery um world class and uh, we're all kicking ourselves because it is just <laughs> outside perth uh next to the state forest and uh i've actually done orienteering over the top of that bloody thing so um you know um, as i say it wasn't just me but uh, congratulations to uh, you know to chalice um so with the covid and that we ended up uh, staking quite a lot of new ground back here in western australia and so we refocused uh, back here for logistics reasons but also the two projects in the eastern states were quite mature you know, and raising another, you know, three to five million to spend on those was really not making the market, you know, that interested. And um, we'd get a better bang for a buck with some new projects back here in, in WA. And and that was you know, very successful for us. We've pegged a very large P 
piece of ground along Trend from Julimar and, um, and starting to generate some significant results from that. Um, so that's really the, the pot of history. Um, but then really in the last um, three, four months, uh, significant changes that we've been working on uh, for the previous three months. Um, first is that we are one of the first seven companies globally to be chosen to, uh, to be part of the BHP Explore program, which we can talk about. And then secondly, you know, last week we announced the, um, uh, the acquisition or an earning joint venture into what I believe is a world-class deposit found by somebody else, um, but has a set of unique features about it, which when I saw it, it was a case of, oh, we have to do this. Um, it's going to, it's putting us immediately on the road to development and production. And uh, it's a very interesting, globally unique deposit and uh, very suited for, for us at Impact, like looking at those strange things. It's certainly uh, definitely out there on the four or five sigma away from the mean. And, um, and we're starting to generate some, some uh, significant interest in that. So uh, happy to talk about that further. Yep. Well, that's uh, that start with the, this new acquisition. Um, so I just wonder if you can tell our audience a little bit about the acquisition. Certainly. The project we're buying into or earning into, sorry, is the Lake Hope High Purity Illumina project. Now, high purity lumina, for those people that aren't familiar with it, is a bit of a, um, it's a niche field in a way, but has a tremendous growing uh, demand for use in two main areas, which are LED lights. And as we're replacing incandescent lights, you know, globally, and there's been a massive demand for LEDs. Then the second uh, big use is actually in the separators between the cathode and the anode in lithium ion batteries. And if you recall um, the Samsung exploding phones, uh, you know, a few years ago, that's because the separator wasn't doing its job. And uh, the HPA is particularly important in, uh, in, in those separators. And of course, lithium ion batteries going bananas and forecast demand to increase you know, tremendously over the next 10 years. So uh, the forecast demand for HPA is very significant. And um, this project, uh, globally unique uh, from a geological perspective, and the guy that found it also came up with a, a process that, that is very cost disruptive because of the unique nature of the minerals uh, in, the, um, in the lake. And, uh, and it's a, a dry lake, which we'll talk about. Um, and you know, all in all, um, it is a vastly <laughs> underestimated and unexpected discovery. Uh, it is fantastic. It's going to be world-class and we're very excited about that. So I wonder if you just tell us a little bit more about the nature of the deposit and I suppose what are the, the advantages for mining this particular deposit? Yeah. So look, if people can go to the you know, go to a website, there's, um, there's the announcement and there's also a couple of presentations that I've done in the last, uh, in the last week. Uh, but basically within the top two metres of the, of the lake, and it's a dry lake, so we have a pun. So these these salt lakes, which are dotted across Western Australia, um, are well known for hosting a variety of minerals, and and uh, that the type of mineral varies significantly where you are in the state because of the climatic changes. So in this particular part of the state, um, there's a particular evaporite uh, set of minerals that are precipitated from the wind and the rain and mixed in with the aluminium and potassium that's come from the granites and produced a bed that's about two meters thick, no more than that, sitting on granite. And it's basically almost direct shipping ore. Um, the material there is very high grade. Uh, it's uh, alumina, so aluminum oxide, Al2O3. 
and um, it's running about 25%. Uh, now, we've, we've got a, an expiration target. Uh, sounds a bit laborious um, to, uh, to say all that, um, but um, uh, we haven't got to a resource yet, but we have done enough drilling to do a resource, um, but that is coming um, in the next month or so. Um, so there's between 630,000 tonnes and 1.25 million tonnes of aluminium oxide, alumina, and that's contained within something between uh, two and a half to four and a half million tons of, of ore. So that's that's the sort of number, pick a middle, pick a middle figure, so about four million tons of ore. The average grade is between 24 and 27%, so we pick 25%, then it gives us a middle range of about a million tonnes of um, uh, alumina. And we believe that we can convert you know, much of that into high purity alumina. And again, I can't give the absolute numbers, and I'm sure you can do the calculation in your head. Um, that material, the benchmark for that material, is currently selling at about twenty thousand US dollars per ton. So you can add the number of zeros on that, and you get a number that's very, very large. And it's hard to believe that it's sitting there in the top two meters of the uh, of the lake. So um, it's shallow. It's free digging. It's naturally very fine grained. It doesn't need crushing, doesn't need grinding. There's no pre-strip. We will literally use a digger and a truck, and I'm not exaggerating, to remove the material from site and leave a hole in the ground that's probably no more than two metres deep. Um, there'll be no tailings on site and uh, there'll be no um, no processing facilities. So from a, the, the unique geology of this lake uh, yeah, has delivered unbelievable advantages for mining. Um, which remove also some significant environmental barriers and also uh, limited rehabilitation required at the end of it. So, so when I first saw that, it was like, oh my goodness, this is this is an unbelievable, uh, <laughs> unbelievable um, breakthrough in in thinking about how how aluminum minerals might form and where. And uh, we're lucky enough to have picked up the project. So, what's the the timeline to production? So look, I think um, with the lesser environmental um, requirements and uh, look, it's early days, we've still got to do the surveys and things, you know, I think we can move towards, um, uh, you know, early development over the next three years, um, possibly quicker, um, but, um, you know, I don't want to, we're not overpromise, but um, we're entering the PFS, pre-feasibility studies right now as we speak, we're disappointing all the experts and the, uh, and the managers for, the, uh, for that study. And um, that'll be coming to fruition over the next 12 to 18 months. We'll be lodging the mining lease application by quarter three this year. Once the resource is out, uh, we've got a mine, we've got a scoping study level mine plan coming together. Those are the two key things that we'll need to lodge the mining lease application. And then we can get the whole approvals process, um, process going. The other thing that will be, that's a significant part of the pre-feasibility study is where we're going to put the processing plant. So because we can take the material off site and we have this cost disruptive metallurgical process, we're going to be able to build the plant in, in an industrial yard somewhere. And there's probably three main candidates at Quinana, which is near Perth. That's becoming a battery, uh, a battery hub, if you like, for, uh, for downstream processing. Um, we can build it in Esperance where there's already sulfuric acid, which is the key um, 
the reagent that we need is already coming into that port or perhaps even in somewhere like Kalgoorlie uh, in regional WA where there are grant incentives to uh, you know to build uh, processing plants and and other facilities in regional WA so the fact that the trucking costs will be so low and trucking and mining gives us a lot of optionality as to where we can put the processing plant so that'll be one of the key things for us as well in terms of the timing of production um, you mentioned uh, HPA. I uh, just wanted to just tell the audience a little bit about what HPA is, um, and what is the the full cost demand for that? Yeah, so HPA is it's short for high purity lumina. Um, it is um, an industrial mineral, and um, it has been produced um, globally at the moment by uh, direct uh, beneficiation of aluminium metal via the Bayer process. So we have the world's global bauxite mines producing aluminium metal for a range of uses, of course. Some of that is used to produce high purity metal in a fairly sort of dirty process. Um, we, and the cost of production of those things, as, as, as far as we can gather, are sort of in that 15 to 20,000 US dollars per tonne. So the main uses of it, as we said, they're in lithium ion batteries of separators. They're in uh, the LED lights. They are increasingly used in semiconductors. Uh, big demand for that, although it's not a very large market. And also for sapphire glass. So every, every mobile phone in the world you know, has sapphire glass on the front. Um, a lot of that is produced directly from, uh, from HPA. Again, not a very large market in terms of tons, but um, certainly growing and, uh, and one of the key uses. So uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's HPA. Is there anything else you just want to add on that particular project before we then speak about uh, the BHP Explorer? Sure. Look, people need to keep their eye open for the resource and the scoping study, which will be coming um, in this next quarter, um, May to June time. Um, once people see the numbers um, on the uh, on the economics, they'll understand how capital efficient this project's going to be, um, what the you know, the numbers are on the EBITDA, uh, this is basically um, a 50 to 100 year mine life um, on this uh, on this one project alone. So we aim to be you know, one of the lowest cost producers in the market, if not the lowest. We're working on some, again, some breakthroughs uh, with the metallurgical processing. Um, and I think this is going to be a bit of a slow burn because it was a left turn for impact compared to what it was doing. Um, then people will see the value that we see. And I think this is a good time to be looking at us uh, before that comes out. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, um, as you alluded earlier uh, in the introduction, um, that you've now got an agreement with BHP Explore uh, as being one of the first companies involved in their, in this particular project. Why don't you again give us the audience an, an overview of, of what this agreement is, um, what the outlook is for the company? Sure. So BHP uh, internally over the last few years had realised that they weren't really getting access to enough projects globally to see you know, where the next generation of copper and nickel projects were going to come from. And, and they're quite willing to admit that they're quite slow and lumbering when they are moving through evaluating their projects and they have a, a very good project generation and, uh, and business evaluation development team. But they realised they needed to speed up this process. And so they came up with a concept of accelerating uh, exploration for the key metals, copper and nickel in particular, that are going to be needed to drive the energy transition. And they came up with a model whereby they would uh, put it out to the, the global junior sector 
looking for ideas, concepts and projects um, to that would lead to the next uh, round of discoveries and look to support those companies that they thought had the best projects. So it is groundbreaking. It's certainly groundbreaking in terms of the way a major company interacts with a junior company. And we've been very privileged to be one of the first seven companies globally to uh, to be part of that program. Um, the seven companies, there are three listed ones, interestingly, all from the ASX and then four private companies. And uh, and so myself, uh, then there's Nordic Nickel and then Kings Rose Mining are the two other uh, ASX uh, groups. And uh, look, we've only been on the program three months. I can explain more detail how it works, um, but it's been a fantastic experience so far. Yeah. What What is the criteria uh, BHP are actually looking for in in a junior miner? And I suppose why why have they chosen Impact Minerals yeah. uh, as one of the companies? So they're looking for you know breakthrough ideas um, from uh, innovative thinkers and explorers, you know, globally. And uh, obviously, they think they need projects that might deliver something that's of a size that's going to, you know, um, move the dial, as they say, you know, for BHP, which is obviously something significant. Um, and so they've come up with this uh, support program. So the way it works is they've given us half a million US dollars over six months to accelerate the exploration. In this case, it's on our Broken Hill project, which, of course, that's where BHP started. The BH stands for Broken Hill. And, um, and so we managed to persuade them to come back to the future and, uh, and come back to Broken Hill. But we went to them with a new model for copper mineralization, which, again, wasn't our model uh, particularly. Um, there's a well-known consultant in Tasmania, Professor Tony Crawford, and his co-workers came up with an idea that perhaps underneath the Broken Hill silver lead zinc deposit is, is a large copper deposit somewhere waiting to be found. And because of the complexity of the deformation and the, and the metamorphism that has affected that ore body since it was formed, has been scrunched up and turned around, um, it's likely then if it is, if the copper is there, that it's going to be at depth or perhaps it's been eroded away. So we went to them with a concept that we had found field evidence for the processes required to form copper. And, uh, and that as a result, that if they gave us the money, we'd be able to identify some new areas for copper. And um, yeah, they seemed to like the idea. We were very specific about the size of deposit that we were looking for, the methodology that we would have to do it. And um, and they liked the idea. It's a concept that I've tried to sell to a number of the other major mining groups, you know, over the over the years. And in terms of the speed, you know, we applied in, in August, I think September. They made the decision in early October for the next round. Uh, we did an online interview. They invited 16 groups to um, Houston for the final interview. Um, and then we awarded us the, uh, you know, um, uh, to be part of the program in January. So it happened very quickly. But not only are they giving us the money, they're actually also giving us what can be best described as a business coaching course, whereby um, they've given us the strategies that they use. Uh, the mineral systems approaches that they use, um, methods of risk management for our field work, and also how to deal with vendors and business chemistry. It's been a really interesting uh, experience, even for me with all these grey hairs. Um, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. But also it's a case of, look, if you want to work with BHP long term and they're looking for long term partners, you need to be able to speak their language, you know, in particular things like risk. I mean, we all understand that, you know, they want to make sure that they're working with people who are professional, you know, they've got the right risk management procedures in place, not just for safety in the field, but, you know, for their whole business. And, and look, you know, 
the number of benefits have been have been tremendous. So it's been a great program so far. Yeah. What would you say this partnership is going to create for Impact uh, Minerals? Why? What, what would you say how it's going to impact the company? Yeah. Look, it certainly uh, put the eyes of the world onto you know onto the three listed companies in particular. Uh, look, at the end of the six months, BHP has the option then to far to to um, basically earn an interest in the project if they if they would like. Um, whether they will or not uh, you know, remains to be seen. Um, there are seven good, very good projects. Um, we don't know what their budgets are or what their selection criteria will be. So, look, I don't know what the the short term outcome is going to be but what i do know is that we now have some long-term partners in bhp but you know for problems i mean they've got people on the hotline you know for example their their global esg and heritage manager you know if we need to speak to them we're there you know um and that'll that'll extend sort of past the um you know past the um the, the initial six months and uh you know of course they're hopeful that you know if we find something of significance you know further down the track that you know they might be the first partners of choice but it's been an exceptional experience so far and uh, all credit to them for giving it a go. Is there any advice that you can give any other potential junior miners um, that may want to explore this particular partnership opportunity? Um, I take it obviously there's going to only going to be a select number of junior miners that can be in a position to be selected. But is there any advice that you can give any junior miners that may be listening to this uh, yeah. podcast? Well, the first piece of advice is definitely give it a go. Um, it's a, a great program if you get on it. Um, it's going to be run annually. So I think the next uh, round of um, applications opens maybe September and um, recommend uh, everyone apply. I think uh, you made a comment about junior miners. Actually, it's an interesting range of people uh, because in the private sector, we've basically got um, uh, a professor that came up with an idea and one of his students. That's one of the groups. So they're not they're not focused on junior explorers. It's more about the quality of the idea, and I will say the quality of the people. You know, they're not going to deal with people who are, um, you know, uh, a bit left of centre rather than right of centre. So um, you know, got to have the right attitude, the right approach, and be passionate about uh, you know about your project. And uh, yeah, as long as it's technically thought out. Um, I mean, for a fee, I'll, I'll help people fill in the uh, fill in the form. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's relatively straightforward and uh, definitely worth getting on for everyone. Yeah, and obviously there's certain there's uh, plenty of time now until obviously September to uh, think about this and uh, obviously build a case, uh, build a case to then obviously apply in September. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose lastly, or a couple more questions. How is the WA market at the moment, the mining industry? I mean, I, I speak to obviously many uh, many candidates and clients um, and things things look good. Um, I just wonder from your perspective, having been in the industry for, for many years, how is the, the WA mining market at the moment from, I suppose, all different perspectives, whether it's yeah. companies, new discoveries, um, skills, um, et cetera? Yeah, look, I've certainly, uh, you know, 2021, you know, was such a massive year, you know, drilling companies expanding, you know, billions of dollars raised across the junior sector in particular, you know, the existing producers going gangbusters, you know, it was an amazing year. And then, of course, you know, 2022 hit, you know, fairly hard, if you like, um, but there was a lot of lead time and lag time, you know, from all the work that had been done in 2021. So I think towards the end of 22, everyone was like, well, thank God things have eased off a little bit. 
Um, but then, of course, we've gone the other way. So this probably is up a little bit more than uh, certainly what most of the drilling companies want to do. But I think we're, we're humming along at the moment at sort of like a good level. You know, people have got a little bit more time. You know, there's not as much drilling going on. So the lab turnaround times of, you know, picking up. The I've been around, you're quite right, I've been around a long time. And the thing that, um, you know, is always in the back of my mind is how quickly the tap gets turned off for funding when bad things happen. And uh, obviously, almost out of the blue, you know, within a few weeks, we've seen the banking crisis, you know, emerge. Um, and I can tell you from experience that if that was to go any worse, you know, there'd be no money and everyone would be closing up shop, you know, very, very quickly. Seem to have come out of it a little bit. But for those of us old enough to remember the savings and loans crisis, this is exactly the same problem where lots of the, the uh, junior and regional banks are upside down on their interest rates and um, they have no they have no liquidity. You know, they're basically many of them are insolvent um, and, uh, you know, it, that just leads to bank runs, et cetera, et cetera. And that's that's what happened back in the uh, in the 80s. Um, so, um, yeah, I, look, I don't think we're out of the woods, but look, the last week's been fantastic. You know, it's booming along. People forget that globally, despite China is well, that's the big growth. But you know, across Africa, Southeast Asia, many countries are just starting to you know starting to they're, they're still growing. Technology is coming. They're putting in the copper lines. They're putting in the power. They're putting in the things as the whole world is slowly being lifted out of uh, you know out of poverty. And so, and now we've got the legislated um, you know targets for decarbonisation. And we're all aware that the governments haven't thought through the figures of how much copper, nickel, lithium, you know, HPA that we're going to need. And um, and so hopefully the mining industry will, will benefit from that because there are many, many undervalued companies. We have an image problem um, in the marketplace globally. Um, and uh, the, the more that we can do to prove our green credentials, you know, the better. And people have to come to an understanding that if they want this new world, we're going to have to dig at least some holes. Um, but they're not very big. And, um, you know, we should be able to get there. Yeah. And I agree with everything that, that you said there. Um, so, uh, lastly, you know, as a conclusion, what's the outlook for impact uh, minerals for the remainder of the year? And obviously, you've covered a lot and obviously exciting times ahead. But as a conclusion, um, what's the outlook? Yeah. Look, uh, the future's never been brighter for us. We've now got a world class project that we're going to push towards development. Um, we've got a mining lease application going in in mid-year. We've got the PFS going. We'll run the, the DFS, Dependent Feasibility Study, almost in parallel um, because, as I say, the mining is so simple and straightforward. All of the focus is on the uh, metallurgical processing and then also um, producing the final product, which does need high specifications for the end market. That's where it's going to be. Because the cost of the PFS is actually relatively small, we're still going to keep exploring um, on our um, flagship Arkham project for nickel copper PGE. So we're still going to deliver exploration results. We're hopeful, of course, that the BHP might come back and invest further and uh, you know get to do some drilling on uh, on that project you know later in the year. So look, it's going to be you know an action-packed year. Um, I will say that since I've started promoting the Lake Hope project, you know we've had calls. From as far away as very well-known mining entrepreneurs organizations in london to talk to them about this project because people are starting to it's as i said it's a slow burn people have got opportunity to sort of get on board now before the story really gets out in terms of what this project could mean for us uh, at impact in particular so uh, yeah watch this space yeah mike really appreciate your time congratulations obviously on the uh, acquisition and obviously being a 
having a partnership with BHP Explore. So obviously wish you well uh, for the remainder of the year um, and perhaps maybe come on later this year to give us an update on see how things are, how things are going. That'd be great, Rob. Thanks very much. Yeah, no worries. Um, also, lastly, I suppose if anyone, any of our audience wants to obviously reach out to you, if they've got any questions, if they want help with their application to uh, to obviously be um, try and partner with BHP Explore, um, how can our audience uh, reach you? And also, how can they follow your story as well? Yeah, look, we're on uh, we're on the socials, so yeah, LinkedIn, um, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, but LinkedIn in particular, they can always con uh, contact me through that. Um, we have an info at impactminerals.com.au uh, email. They can sign up on the website. We've got a very uh, new product um, uh, investor hub where we have a lot of interaction with our shareholders uh, on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, they're certainly welcome to sign up to that uh, as well. So plenty of ways of contacting us. Yeah, we'll include those in the show notes accompanying uh, this uh, podcast episode uh, for easy access for any of our audience to obviously reach out to you. Um, really appreciate your time again, Mike, and hopefully we can uh, chat later this year. Um, for those that are listening, um, great episode. And um, obviously, feel free to follow uh, Mike and Impact uh, Minerals journey, especially if you're looking to um, further develop your um, your mining company or your uh, resource. Obviously, you can look at uh, looking at um, applying to BHP Explore um and obviously what a great opportunity for some of the companies out there appreciate your continued support please keep sharing this episode um and the podcast to fur to further uh further around the world um no matter what country or jurisdiction that you're in appreciate your continued support and until next time happy mining thank you for listening remember to reach out to rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review until next time Happy Mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.